Ranch rodeos have become more common, but for the Working Ranch Cowboys Association, it's a way they can tell the story of the American rancher. When you have an opportunity to share and educate someone about the importance of the ranching or agricultural community, you really need to stop and take that chance and share that vision. Lehman Wall, Association Manager for the Working Ranch Cowboys Association, joins me as we address how the WRCA uses its organization to promote the ranching industry and tell our story. Plus, we'll talk about what's going to be new at this year's World Championship Ranch Rodeo on this episode of the Working Ranch Radio Show. Welcome again to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm your host, Justin Mills. Thanks for joining us right here on Rural Radio, Channel 147, Sirius XM. And you'll find us right here every Saturday at 12 noon Eastern. And I've mentioned it before, but if you hear something on the program and you'd like to go back and listen to it again, or you'd like to share that show with someone, easy way for you to do that is go to your favorite podcast provider because we are on about everyone out there. If you just search under Working Ranch Radio Show, you will find us. Not only will you find the show that you'd want to share or, or re-listen to, you can also see all the previous shows as well. So there you go. By the way, on our show today, here is what we have on tap. Now, the Captain Tim O'Byrne will be by in just a moment with his two cents, but our featured guest will be Lehman Walt, who's the association manager for the Working Ranch Cowboys Association. So we're going to talk about how they are using their association to tell the story of the American Rancher. And of course, we can't just leave it there. If we got WRCA on, I also want to know what's going on for this year's World Championship Ranch Rodeo that's going to be taking place in Amarillo, Texas in November. And I heard they have a new event coming on. We're going to find out more about that when Liam joins us later in our show. Plus, Mark Upton with Central Life Sciences will be joining us to talk about fly control. And then in our last segment, meteorologist Don Day joining us is going to give us an update on the La Nina El Nino weather pattern and what we could be looking at for moisture in the spring of 2022. Well, how many of you had a chance to get through the latest copy of the Working Ranch magazine? You know, I've mentioned this before, but one area that I always enjoy going to and going through is in the very back, and that is the buyer's corral. And I'll tell you, you know, if there's something you're thinking about needing or maybe something you've you've been uh, watching for, that is the place to go to, the buyer's corral in the last part of the Working Ranch magazine, and you'll find everything from ranching livestock equipment to supplies to wild rags just about everything when it comes to the ranching industry so be sure to check that out in your latest copy of working ranch magazine well let's send a big thank you now to the sponsors of the working ranch radio show the american simmental association from maternal traits to terminal traits the genetic merit of simmental genetics has provided increased profitability to you the rancher sim genetics profit through science Find out more at Simmental.org. 
Performance Beef, easy to use, cattle management software. Find Performance Beef online to request a demo. Beefmaster, nothing beats a Beefmaster. Find out more at beefmasters.org. The Working Ranch Expo to be held December 8th, 9th, and 10th in Las Vegas during the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo right across from Cowboy Christmas. Check it out. Go online to see what it's going to be all about at Working Ranch Expo. Gelby Balancer, the smart, reliable, and profitable choice. For more information, go to gelvate.org. Well, before we get to the captain, Tim O'Byrne, with his two cents, I want to remind you, he and all of the staff from Working Ranch Magazine will be at the 2021 Cattle Industry Convention coming up in Nashville, Tennessee at the Opryland Resort and Convention Center. It's going to be August 9th through the 13th. Be sure to check them out at this year's 2021 Cattle Industry Convention. Also, another calendar event that I got a note from a friend of mine down in Claremore, Oklahoma, Mr. Wally Olson, telling me about a workshop slash mini school that's going to be going on there in Claremore, August 12th through the 14th. Now, they're going to be part of that's going to be on profitable grazing and you're going to have folks like Burke Tigert, Marlene Moore, Wally Olson, as well as Don Hanato. By the way, Don will also be doing a stockmanship school as well. So if you'd like more information about that school going on in Claremore, August 12th through the 14th down there in Oklahoma, you can go to Eventbrite slash Profitable Grazing to get registered for that. Let's turn now to the captain, Tim O'Byrne, publisher and editor of Working Ranch Magazine for this week's edition of Tim's Tuesday. Hey, Justin. Buddy of mine just called. He was going around and around haying. Must have been pretty bored to give me a shout. But anyway, we were visiting and just brought to mind so many old memories when we were kids haying on an open cab tractor, uh, you know, making those three rounds and then the fourth round when the wind blows back over you. Oh, my heavenly word. And uh, working the big cow outfits. Um, <laughs> you know, the... <laughs> The farm crew would never let us cowboys near the equipment, of course, because we'd either break it or it'd go missing. But uh, the farm crew, the farm boss, always would be instructed to leave the best uh, hay for the horses. And uh, that meant that they would uh, bale it up in little bales, and that meant that the cowboy crews would have to come out of camp and come down for a week and just go to work hauling hay and filling you know, the camp and the main barn lofts and my word that was grueling work and I'm just I think that's my shout out today is anybody that's doing that on a big scale and uh you know hot humid weather but you sure as heck appreciate it in the winter time when your horses are munching down on some of the best premium hay and I don't even know what that stuff's worth today but uh good memories anyway Justin I know you got a heck of a show to get back to that's my two cents oh yes thanks captain the memories of making hay in the summertime i do remember one of my first memories was having to be on the hay rake my dad set me up in an m john deere tractor and a little john deere side rake was all i could do to stretch my left leg out to to push the clutch in and then of course you had to ease it out without getting uh, bucked off the seat of the tractor but uh, some some fond memories there of making hay in the summertime. Thanks, Captain, for this week's edition of Tim's Two Cents. We'll stay with us. Lehman Wall with the Working Ranch Cowboys Association joins us next about how the association is telling the good
good story of the American rancher and why our industry needs to be proactive about sharing with the public our story. You're listening to the Working Ranch Radio Show. We'll be back after this. Starting off in the right direction is essential to gaining an advantage later when you go to market your calves. And I have proof that the right direction is with Sim Angus Sired Calves. A 2020 study by K-State showed that Sim Angus Sired Steer Calves earn more at sale time than all other breed identified sire groups with at least 50 lots represented on Superior Livestock's 2020 summer sales. The proof's right there. For low-risk, high-potential calves with earning potential, be confident that Sim Genetics will give you more per head, period. Stand strong, Simmental. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show here on Rural Radio, Channel 147, Sirius XM. I'm your host, Justin Mills. And I want to kind of back up and give you an idea of, of why I felt it was a good idea to have a have our conversation today about the Working Ranch Cowboys Association. You know, when we hit these summer months, it's the time of the year where we see a lot of big summer rodeos, county fairs, state fairs, and it really got to got me thinking about ranch rodeos because I think over the past 10 years or so, we've really seen more and more ranch rodeos being a part of these summer events and summer and summer activities. So joining me today is Lehman Wall, who's the association manager for the Working Ranch Cowboys Association, to talk a little bit more about the organization and some of the events that goes on through the summer and culminates this fall. So Lehman, thanks for joining us here on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Uh, Justin, thanks for having me. I look forward to our visit. Lehman, I want to back up first and, and let's talk a little bit about the organization because uh, and how it formed and, and what was the kind of the reasoning behind it. Yeah, you bet. We actually last year, Justin, 2020, we celebrated our 25th anniversary. So that was a nice milestone for the organization. It, it really started in 1995. I think it was March to be exact of 1995. There was a group of individuals, ranchers, cowboys from around the country that they got together in one place to try to formalize this idea that was developed that the working ranch cowboy needed an organization that represented their lifestyle and, and their interest. And so they actually got together here in Amarillo, Texas, had a visit. They talked the goal, uh, overarching goal was to find a way to help preserve and protect cowboy way of life and then also develop a funding mechanism where ranch families and, and cowboys could uh, tie into a crisis fund, uh, perhaps some money that could be there to help them whenever they go through an illness or an on-the-job situation to get hurt, uh, child's dealing with an illness, wife's dealing with an illness. Uh, so that was the vision. Hey, we, we need a way to help these ranch cowboys and their families. And as they started talking, it became evident, yes, this is needed. How are we going to fund it? Where's the money going to come from? And so the guys are looking around the room and like, well, what will people pay money, you know, to do? Uh, so they, they created an entertainment aspect that they could sell tickets to. That was the World Championship Ranch Rodeo. Uh, they started that in 95, held the very first event in 1996. Mm-hmm. And then from there, it just blossomed, right? It just became took a life of its own and 
they they say even today that they they really have a hard time believing that it turned into what it has uh, from where they first started. But that's that's where we came from, and here we are, you know, 26 years later, still trying every day to make it better. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about the sanctioned rodeos and that avenue that you referred to here in just a little bit. But I, I also want to talk about your membership base because it is a membership organization and there are ways for ranches or folks to be a member of the organization as well. Yes, sir. That's right. We we have two different uh, entities that are nonprofit organizations. One, WRCA, that is the association side, the entity that handles the membership aspect, handles all the competitive rodeos, and produces the world championship. Then on the other side, we have the WRCA Foundation. That's our 501c3 where that we accept tax-deductible donations. That's that entity that handles the, 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 the crisis fund and the scholarship program. So under the association arm, that is where we have a variety of different member levels that cowboys, working ranch cowboys, ranch owners, just ag-related people that want to support an entity like ours. You can join, and all those dollars help protect that mission of you know, really ensuring that the working ranch cowboy always has a voice. And um, that's, that's the membership arm of the organization that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Lehman, in recent years, uh, over the years, we've seen more and more pressure being put on ranches and the agricultural industry and how they are doing their type of business that they do. With Working Ranch Cowboys Association, how have you guys worked with either your membership or just in general of passing on the story of what the Working Ranch is all about? You know, when we go, uh, every time you step out of the house, Justin, you have a chance to impact somebody. You have a chance to educate. You have a chance to show your values and what you're made of. And I think that's one of the ways right off the bat is when we go out to our sanctioned rodeos and uh, our ranch cowboys and their ranches and their families come to that town and they're there representing, uh, you always know what you're going to get. You know, you're going to have a nice family atmosphere, highly competitive, but everyone's there for the same reason. They enjoy what they do. And that's that's part of the education system. You can go out, you find people that may not really understand what agriculture is about. Uh, they might stumble across and come to your event. And the way you welcome them, the way you treat them, uh, the way you talk and, and share your vision for the ranching way of life, it matters. You never know what, what impact you're going to have on somebody. And and then we are, through this voice that we have, we're able to do things like these radio shows. We have a very strong presence in the social media world. Uh, working with the Cowboy Channel, you know, you help get your product in front of people. And we do have all the time, we have people that will come to an event uh, and they'll just tell you right up front, look, we're we're not ranchers, right? We We just thought this would be a fun thing. And when they leave, They'll always tell you, wow, that that was the place that you celebrated God and country. Uh, you, you celebrated family. You celebrated the, the the lifestyle. Even though we're not cowboys or ranchers, we can relate and, and we get what you're about. And I think that's a big responsibility that we all have in this business. Mm-hmm. 
I think it points out a fact that uh, in the agricultural industry, the ranching industry, sometimes we're always so busy doing our work and keeping our heads down that we don't really do a great job of telling our story. And what you guys have found is an avenue to do that, I believe. It, it, it is an avenue. Um, you don't, like you said, you don't always realize it. And and when you're in that moment and you're there for competition and it's hot and, you know, you're, you're worried about what the cattle are going to do or if the broncs are going to buck, it's easy to get your mind off of uh, of that other topic. But it's just, it's good people that if you go about your day and you represent yourself the right way, that will resonate. But, you know, Justin, is it enough? Do, do we need to be more active at searching out opportunities? I, I think we should. And it doesn't matter whether uh, what side of the fence you're on, when you have an opportunity to share and educate someone about the importance of the ranching or agricultural community, you really need to stop and take that chance and share that vision. And uh, we're very fortunate to, to have a vehicle through WRCA and our foundation that we're able to do that on occasion. Mm-hmm. Let's take a break here. And when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Lehman Wall with the WRCA as we address what are the concerns their association has for the future of the ranching industry. We'll be back with more on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Payday starts with superior Beefmaster cows. Yes, the Beefmaster female has stayed true to her original purpose, to help ranchers in tough environments improve performance, survivability, and longevity. So if you're giving up ground in traits that matter, consider Beefmasters. The breed will jumpstart your cattle and give your next calf crop a performance boost. Nothing beats a Beefmaster. Learn more about what the Beefmaster cow can do for your herd at Beefmasters.org. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm your host, Justin Mills. Lehman Wall with the WRCA is joining me today. And Lehman, because you, as an organization, you deal with a lot of ranchers, you see a lot of things, and you have those conversations with them, whether it's at sanctioned events or whether it's at the World Finals and various activities that go on there. As you look ahead for the next several years coming up, what what weighs on you in terms of the threat of our ranching industry? Oh wow, Justin, how much time? <laughs> Loaded we question have? there. <laughs> well, and you 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 feel the same pressures. You mm-hmm. see it. Uh, all the cattlemen's organizations that are out there, state and national, uh, we we all see the pressures that continue to fall upon production agriculture, and you could go so far as to really throw a red flag up with all this uh, fake meat and, and trying to find other sources, you know, to to counterbalance the the protein coming from our, our cattle. And that's scary to me, actually. Um, I'm not for sure how quickly that will really actually impact the, the bottom dollar of our producers, but it's a real situation that we, we need to be keeping our eyes on. And, you know, I know everybody, maybe jokes a little bit about all that uh, technology that's out there and it'll never truly impact us, but we, we need to, we need to be open-minded to what that means for the future. And that's why it's important for these ranchers to, I, I believe wholeheartedly that our, our state and 
national cattlemen's associations uh, have to be the backbone of that work through the political channels. But you can't you can't rely on them to be the grassroots and to tell your story, like you said. When you have a chance, it doesn't matter if you're standing at the grocery store or, or whether you're walking through Target, it doesn't matter. If there's a person there that you can just even remotely influence their decisions about production agriculture, we need to take that chance. We need to do it. Mm-hmm. Lehman, as technology advances, some of that is integrated into the livestock business, the ranching business. And with Working Ranch Cowboys Association, there's a, there's a lot of uh, tradition that is celebrated within that organization. Yet at the same time, these are working ranches that are also having to make a living out on the on the on the place. And so, as we as we move forward, how does Working Ranch Cowboys Association, uh, you know, how do we adapt to some of the newer technology and stuff that's going to be available? Well, I, I think you just have to stay true to what you're all about, and if if you keep that focus doesn't matter what new technologies come around. There's there's a, a few handful of things that will always exist. Number one, uh, there's there's protein sources through uh, the through raising cattle that are going to be needed to feed the world. That's we say that will never change. Uh, it may be altered, but that source of protein mm-hmm. needs to exist. Mm-hmm. There's always going to need to be horses for cowboys to work their cattle on. There are other ways to do it, but even uh, scientists and, and folks that have studied it will tell you that there's there's no more humane way to work your cattle than doing it by horseback. Mm-hmm. And and there will always be a cowboy uh, horseback somewhere riding through a herd of cattle. Th- those elements will not change. What What we need to ensure is that that cowboy and that rancher have the means to continue to perpetuate that lifestyle that's that's done through our young people that's done through our youth and that's one thing wrca right now justin is trying to really focus on is that next generation we started a youth program this year where uh, our, our young kids can actually go and participate and compete amongst kids their own age we, we've mm-hmm. always had the ability for uh, a young person to to ride with the adults. They, in fact, we've got several of the kids now that are on the adult cards, and they're very competitive. They uh, they can they can heal with the best of them, right? They're they're very handy. Mm-hmm. But now they'll be able to go and ride against kids their own age. And uh, we've got six youth qualifier ranch rodeos happening this year, and all the winners of those will be invited to come to Amarillo and show off their skills on Saturday afternoon uh, during the World Championship in the very first ever Youth World Championship hmm. rodeo. So yeah. it may not sound like a lot, but that is one way that we can now provide an avenue for our young people. And uh, that's just that's our way. There's other organizations out there that continue to find new ways, uh, but that's one one way that WRCA is actively trying to work our mission of promoting and preserving the cowboy lifestyle 
and that's through the next generation. You bet. Well, let's take a break here, folks, because when we come back, we're going to talk more with Lehman about the Working Ranch Cowboys Association ranch rodeos that they sanction across the country. And, of course, it all terminates in Amarillo, Texas for the WRCA World Championship Ranch Rodeo. We'll talk more about it when we return on the Working Ranch Radio Show. For commercial cow-calf producers, crossbreeding with Galvay and Balancer is the smart, reliable, and profitable choice. Galvay and Balancer females offer maternal superiority through increased fertility, greater longevity, and more pounds of calf wean per cow exposed. In the feed yard, Balancer cattle can offer increased performance, improve feed efficiency, and have excellent carcass merit. Balancers add the pounds, make the grade, and deliver the value. Gelby and Balancer, the smart, reliable, and profitable choice. For more information, go to gelbate.org. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show here on Rural Radio, Channel 147, Sirius XM. I'm your host, Justin Mills, and my guest today is Mr. Lehman Wall, who is the Association Manager for the Working Ranch Cowboys Association out of Amarillo, Texas, and Lehman Right before the break, we were talking about how important it was for us in the ranching industry to tell our story, to be proactive. And one of the ways that you all have found to do just that is through your sanctioned ranch rodeos. And we've seen the prevalence of ranch rodeos increase over the last many years. And, of course, this year you all are celebrating your 26th WRCA World Championship Ranch Rodeo. We're going to be talking about that here in just a little bit. Uh, But back to your sanctioned events and tell us a little bit more about those sanctioned ranch rodeos and what it takes to put those together. Yeah, the the first thing, Justin, I think that I would like to, to just clarify is that there's ranch rodeos that occur really all over the country. Um, the difference that we have when you talk about participating in a WRCA ranch rodeo is we actually do have a set of requirements that a ranch needs to meet in order to be eligible to compete. And that's not to say that uh, we might miss a, a few ranches that are extremely uh, legitimate as far as production ranches go, but you have to you have to you have to set a boundary, you have to set that standard. And so we start out uh, a ranch that would have either 300 uh, cows or 750 yearlings for six months out of the year. Those are your cattle numbers that you need to meet. Mm-hmm. If you if you have that type of, of cattle operation, then you are eligible uh, to, to put in for a card with us. And uh, then your, your card has to be made up of owners of that ranch, uh, either full-time employees or day workers. And so this is not a, an open system where you and I could grab a couple other guys and then we could go rodeo together. This team that shows up at a sanctioned rodeo on Saturday nights, they just they were working together probably mm-hmm. Saturday morning or Friday afternoon. Yeah, and yep. and when they leave and go home on Sunday, they're going to get right back to work again, either mm-hmm. sun you know Sunday evening or Monday morning. And uh, so that's one of the things that's really vital about the way WRCA, WRCA yeah. operates. And, and Lehman, I think that's important too. And I know I've worked mm-hmm. with your association many years ago and, and, and I think that's an important qualification because you really, um, 
like you said, these guys are working together, and that's a part of what that. I mean, it goes back to the tradition of these ranch ranches having cowboys representing their at a rodeo their ranch. That's right, and I don't I don't want to ever make it sound like we are putting ourselves above anything else. There, we are so thankful that there's so many ranch rodeo uh, events that happen around the country, and, and some of them are open where it gives people a chance to to go do it, and they may not have 300 cows. You know, so we're thankful that that exists. Um, we have a system that works, and and Justin, I know you've been a part of that in the past. And um, we we can take at the World Championship, we can put on a rodeo with 24 ranch teams. And when you go above that, what you're doing now is you're you're having a performance that gets a little too long for the spectator. And we have to be cognizant of that. So mm-hmm. that's why we sanction up to 24 events a year. Uh, there's a constant work to be done to expand that. And that's a whole other topic within our facility <laughs> and how you change your mm-hmm. schedule around. But, you know, we this year will have 22 sanctioned rodeos and uh, always looking for new opportunities to to add somebody on that fits within that system. But 24 is the maximum mm-hmm. that we can do. And you're going to see rodeos starting now as early as uh, in, as March and April. And we're going to run all the way up through the first weekend in October. It's uh, That's kind of the way mm-hmm. our season runs. Mm-hmm. So let's move now into the world finals. And as I said a moment ago, this is this is coming November 11th through the 14th in Amarillo, Texas, will be the 26th WRCA World Championship Ranch Rodeo. And that has evolved, too, because from what it, probably what you started in uh, 26 years ago to now being quite a festivity, really, of trade show, ranch rodeo. And then, as you mentioned just a moment ago, now a youth world championship ranch rodeo. So let's talk a little bit about what's going to happen November 11th through the 14th. Yes, thank you for the opportunity to talk about this. It's, a, it's an event that has evolved a lot over time, but the basic framework is that there's four performances, okay, four rodeo performances. It's a it's a two-go-round rodeo, so Thursday night and Friday night, those two performances are combined to be the first go. Saturday and then a Sunday matinee performance, those are combined to be the second go. And then for those that get into how rodeos work, there's an average that comes together. So you basically have three sets of points, the the ranch with the most points out of those three will obviously be crowned the world champion and they're going to compete in five events and uh that's going to be ranch bronc riding we're going to have team pinning we have a stray gathering ranch branding and then a wild cow milking so those five mm-hmm. are, are what the ranches will compete in um aside from the ranch rodeo uh, when you come to Amarillo, we actually have a, a good number of people that come to town. They don't ever, ever even go to the rodeo. <laughs> they, they come into they the facility. They just like all the other stuff going on. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You got you got all these other things. They may go to one perf or, you know, they may just decide to go have dinner with some friends. And uh, all day long, you've got a ranch horse show that goes on. We've got a youth cow horse championship. So that's a very similar to a ranch horse show, but it, it's just for the the younger kids to be able to compete. Uh, 
you got three different types of trade shows going on. One is the foundation. This is where it all started. It's called our trade and trapping show. These are, uh, this is a combination of some of the best uh, craftsmen and women that exist on the planet and every type of good known to man from the saddles to the spurs to the bits to hats to furniture, you name it, this this is where it's made. These are, these are the craftsmen. We have another room, Justin, that's a ranch expo. So if you're looking for a set of chutes or if you're looking for you know, whatever, a new trailer or whatever for your operation, this is where you can go and see that equipment uh, in, in, it, in its form that you can see how it works and test it out. That's at the Ranch Equipment Expo. Then we have another room that's kind of a, a combination which is called our Heritage show and it's a it's a cross-section of all those different types of vendors that we just couldn't get in the other rooms because we've grown so much i think right now we're at ninety-seven thousand hmm. square foot of trade show space oh, wow huh. yeah so pretty pretty cool and uh if you're there during the daytime you're going to get to take into uh entertainment from cowboy poets and musicians that we've got scattered around the building there's no charge for that mm-hmm. you just just come and enjoy uh, then we talked about our youth ranch rodeo we've started up, got Cowboy Church on Sunday, you know, just a, a, a whole array of things for the for the family to come and enjoy. Uh, like you said, that's November 11 through 14. And uh, our tickets actually go on sale in June, so they've already been in rotation. And uh, Justin, I, I don't have the exact numbers today, but the last time we checked, we had sold over 2,000 more seats, more tickets uh, than we had previously. Oh, really? So <laughs> mm-hmm. the the Saturday's probably getting close to being sold out as we speak. Mm-hmm. But if you guys are interested to come, I I would really encourage you to go try to get those tickets as soon as possible. So Saturday and Friday will they will get sold out very quickly, mm-hmm. and then of course. Thursdays and Sundays will be following behind that, but uh, we welcome everybody. Come hang out with us. It's a good time. <laughs> you bet. And uh, Lehman, your your website, wrca.org, they can go there to find out more information. That's a, that's a catch-all location for every link and every piece of information that you can think of about WRCA. You can join, become a member out there. You can actually make a donation to the foundation. We even have a store for folks that might be looking for some uh, some logoed merchandise. You can always go there and, and shop and look at our schedule for the Ranch Rodeo. Find the, the link to go buy your tickets. There's a link to our hotel page. You can find the local hotels that you might want to stay, uh, stay with. But, Justin, the other way to find us, we have a mobile app that is really cool. If, if you're mm-hmm. – now, into that sort of thing, just go download WRC mobile app where you get your apps, and all of that same information will be right there on your phone. You can access it whenever you want. All right. That sounds good. Well, Liam, I do want to thank you again for joining us here on the Working Ranch Radio Show. And I know a lot of folks probably familiar with your association and, and what you've been doing over the years. But sometimes we just have a little bit of a disconnect between what you're doing and how that relates to and why it's important to our industry to tell our story of the American ranchers. So, Liam, thanks again for joining us here on the Working Ranch Radio Show. 
Thanks for having me, Justin. I appreciate it, sir. Lehman Wall, Association Manager for the Working Ranch Cowboys Association, has been my guest here today. And again, just to point out, if you'd like more information about their 26th WRCA World Championship Ranch Rodeo that's going to be November 11th through the 14th in Amarillo, Texas, along with their new event, the Youth World Championship Ranch Rodeo. As he mentioned, they have a new app, or they have an app. You can go to any app store and download that, or also their website, which is wrca.org. Well, stick with us. When we come back, Mr. Mark Upton with Central Life Sciences joins us as we're going to be talking about fly control. How do you manage data for your cattle business? Stop relying on pen and paper or complicated programs. Get real-time access from anywhere with Performance Beef. Update rations, generate real-time closeout reports, record health data at the chute, in the pen, or pasture, or analyze performance trends all in one place with ease. Your feed, financial, and health information is integrated in one easy-to-use platform accessible from your computer, smartphone, or tablet. Find Performance Beef online to learn more and request a demo. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show here on Rural Radio, Channel 147, Sirius XM. I'm your host, Justin Mills, and we're going to switch gears now, and we're going to move towards an issue of animal health, and I know it's one that every cattle producer manages, and that is fly control. And joining me is Mark Upton, who's the Director of Sales for Feed Additives with Central Life Sciences out of South Central Oklahoma. And Mark, as we find ourselves right now in the heat of these summer months, and fly control is definitely something that we all consider in our ranching operations. First off, what are the physical impacts that these flies are having on our animals, besides the fact that they're a pest and a nuisance to the animal? I know this may sound like a question that everyone knows, but when you get down to it, what's going on with that fly and the animal, and what are we not seeing from the outside? Well, that's a great question. And I think the reason that question is so important to know the answer to is because as cattle owners, and I am still as well, uh, a lot of people just don't realize the damage that these flies are doing. Uh, If left unchecked, if we don't do anything to control these flies, we can get as many as two or 3,000 horn flies on a cow. And that is the most um, uh, economically uh, devastating fly for pastured cattle. If you don't do anything for them, they are blood feeders. And so we need to understand that first. All they feed on is blood. And so you're spending money to put weight on cows or get a cow to breed back or to grow a calf or to milk a calf. And and instead of doing all that up to her um, abilities, she's replenishing blood on her back. So you're putting all that into the cow. The fly is removing that blood. And, and you're having to put all that nutrition in her so that she can first replenish her blood supply before she can do any of those other things. And if you're not careful, it's very easy for those flies to remove in, uh, in certain parts of the country as much as a gallon of blood in a fly season. And that could be even more than that. And you get further south where the fly days are much, uh, you know, there's more, more days in the, in the year where they have fly issues. It could be as many as two gallons of blood. So they are terribly devastating in terms of growth potential. The other thing that they like to do is in the hot part of the day, those flies are going to migrate to the belly of a cow and, and they'll feed on those teat ends. Uh, it's very, very common for a cow to develop staph or E. coli in that teat end and cause them to get a bad quarter. Um, we know through a lot of dairy work that a, uh, that a cow is not nearly as productive when she's not functioning on four full quarters uh, to nurse that calf. Mm-hmm. 
Mark, a lot of folks across the country are battling drought, myself included with that. And so as we are in drought situations, uh, how do we mitigate our fly control with drought? Now, I will say this. Flies or insects in general have to have moisture and warm weather in order to survive. So when you get in a drought the year, that will help to control some flies. It's not a fly control program and you're still going to have flies, but it is easier to control them. When you have lots of moisture, you grow lots of grass, but you also have a lot of insects as well. And, and quite frankly, I'd rather have a lot of moisture, a lot of grass, and a lot of flies, and I'll figure out how to control the flies versus having to fight a drought. Um, but still, a lot of producers just don't do anything to control those flies, and it's just economically devastating. There's a lot of research out there that would say if you do nothing to control horn flies on your cows, it could cost up to $40 per cow in terms of economic losses. Well, it's easy to spend four to six bucks uh, to employ a strategy to control those flies and put the rest of those dollars in your pocket. Mm -hmm. One of the elements that we can control that, and it's done through the feed, so it's a real easy way for application without necessarily having to run these livestock through, through a chute, but that is doing something that has IGR in it. Yeah, we, we've actually have two products that we use as feed-throughs. One is, is designed more for confined animals, and that would be called Clarify. We have a product that we recommend for pasture cattle called Altacid IGR, and that's exactly what you're doing. You're putting it out in free-choice mineral or in tubs or in liquid feed, and the, the cow comes to it. They ingest it. We're using the cow just as a mechanism. They're taking it in the mouth and putting it out the back end because they, I said, well, go, these flies only feed on blood, but they also only lay their eggs in manure. And so by putting it into the manure, when that fly gets there, lays the egg, uh, that egg begins to mature. Uh, it feeds on that uh, on that altacid product and prevents them from becoming an adult. So it's it's low maintenance. It works really well. It's very effective uh, and it's also very cost effective. Mark, you mentioned this control happening in the manure pat through the larvae. So how does this affect dung beetles? Because in a healthy grazing environment, we want to keep a healthy biology in our soil. Oh, I tell you, dung beetles are so important. And there's so many parts of the country today that dung beetles are just non-existent. And it's really a shame. Uh, no, Althusa does not uh, negatively affect dung beetles at all. Uh, it's it's not not going to be an issue. And we're we're very proud of that fact. Mark, what about timing and the use of fly control products? If you're in the southern part of the country, you've probably been fighting these flies a little bit longer than those of us up in the northern tier and while there may be optimal times for fly management, how does timing play into a management plan for fly control? So as, as far as timing goes with using any type of fly control pro, uh, product, but especially with the feed through, we would recommend that you get started just ahead of the fly season. It only takes a few days of 60 degree weather and those flies are going to pop out. Now, in the springtime, it may get warm for a few days and they co get cold for a few days before it warms back up and it will slow them down. But still, just a few days of 60 degree weather and you've got fly issues. So we want you to get started early. By the same token, you need to stay very uh, diligent about whatever fly control program you're using until a good hard killing frost. The flies you're going to see in the spring of 2022 are flies that carried over from 2021. So you want to stay very diligent until a good hard killing frost and then quit whatever fly control program you're on. 
Now we get questions every year. It's out June June first or July first, and somebody says, "Well, it's too late. I, you know, I, I just have to wait and get started next year." No, that's not true at all. There's no reason for those cows to be suffering any longer. So again, whatever fly control strategy you're going to use, start that day and start knocking down those adults because what you're going to see is you're going to get better fly control in year two than you did in year one and better in year three than you did in year two because you are beginning to control those immatures that are in that manure pad. So get started the day you cry uncle, get started on something to knock those adult flies down. Well, Mark, thanks for joining us here on our program. And as I said at the beginning of our conversation, flies are something we all deal with if we're in the cattle business. So before you head out here, some final comments from you in regards to just some advice for producers as they're contemplating effective fly control management in their operation. Oh, probably the only thing I would say is, is just looping back in that, um, whether, whether a producer chooses to use Althacid to try to prevent hornfly populations or other methods, the first challenge is realize that flies are a problem and do something to control them. Do something to keep those fly numbers down. Uh, your cows are going to appreciate it, and I can assure you they'll benefit your pocketbook if you'll make them more comfortable. Mark Upton, Director of Sales for Feed Additives for Central Life Sciences, joining us on our program today as we go a little bit more in depth on a fly control management program and understanding what the little critters are doing on our on our livestock out there and why it's important to have a management program in your operation. Now, if you'd like to find out more about Altacid IGR, you can ask your local feed supplier or also go to the website at www.altacidigr.com. Again, that website is www.altacidigr.com to find out more. Well, stay with us. Coming up next, meteorologist Don Day joins us with a look at our long-term weather and an update on the La Nina-El Nino forecast for the spring of 2022. We'll be back with more on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Starting off in the right direction is essential to gaining an advantage later when you go to market your calves. And I have proof that the right direction is with Sim Angus Sired Calves. A 2020 study by K-State showed that Sim Angus Sired Steer Calves earn more at sale time than all other breed identified sire groups with at least 50 lots represented on Superior Livestock's 2020 summer sales. The proof's right there. For low-risk, high-potential calves with earning potential, be confident that Sim Genetics will give you more per head, period. Stand strong, Simmental. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show here on Rural Radio, Channel 147, Sirius XM. I'm your host, Justin Mills, and joining us now is meteorologist Don Day. Don, thanks for joining us. And before we get into our long-term weather, I know we've kind of checked back and forth from time to time about the status of La Nina pattern and what we're seeing down on the on the equator and out in the Pacific. So give us an update here on today's show of what you guys are seeing and what you're watching that may give us some indication of where we are going to be looking at for the next three to six months or further out. Yeah, since we talked last, Justin, um, the folks who keep track of that equator area between South America and along and north and south of the equator across the Pacific had made a note that uh, 
sea surface temperatures, while not technically in La Nina range, uh, were starting the trend downward again. And so what they did is they put out what's called a La Nina watch, which means that there is a statistical probability that is looking pretty good right now that we could very well slip right back into official La Nina status as we get on into the early fall and, and the beginnings of the winter season coming on up. Um, and, you know, it was a very robust La Nina that developed last year. And uh, we have talked in earlier programs that during the solar cycle, when we go through these solar minimums, you tend to have La Ninas that are more robust and can sometimes stretch across two years. Last time this happened was during the last uh, exiting of the solar minimum, which was 2011 and 2012, and mm -hmm. that's going to be happening again. So we're, we're likely looking at La Nina building back in this fall into probably January or February. So it's still going to be impactful, um, still causing some concerns. Now, historically, when you go through these two-year La Ninas, you usually have a bounce back to El Nino. And if we were to just go back on historical precedents and look at what has happened in the past, I think we do have a chance of slipping out of La Nina in the early spring or late winter of 2022, which would be great news, especially for parts of the central and western United States, as that would start to increase precipitation again. But we're still going to be fighting La Nina, it looks like, into the beginnings of winter. Mm -hmm. When we look at potentially slipping out of La Nina and into an El Nino pattern in the spring of the year or late, late winter, I know for some of those that uh, ranching-wise, we're also getting into calving season. So there's there's kind of some concerns there. So are you saying that we could be we could be seeing some moisture in, say, February, March, April? It would most likely be on the back end of spring. Uh, so, you know, you're probably looking at March and April and May as okay. being the three months where if we do go into El Nino next spring, that's likely when it's going to be the most impactful. But I do think livestock interests do have some challenges uh, for the, the winter season and the spring season coming on up. Uh, the La Nina, uh, if it does come back, that is the, the potential for cold signals to return. You know, one thing La Nina, Justin, has shown us in the past and has shown us this last year and a half is you tend to have extremes. You tend to get jet streams that get what we call blocky, where you can kind of be stuck in a rut. We saw that with the Arctic outbreak in February across the central areas of the United States that went all the way to the Gulf Coast. We saw that same blocking pattern that brought the extreme heat to the Pacific Northwest in late June and early July. And we may very well see somewhat of a similar pattern into the into the winter season of 21 into 22, which basically means you can have some pretty, pretty significant cold outbreaks. Um, at the same time, you could also have periods where it's more mild for a while. Uh, but uh, we have seen La Niña's in the past produce some cold winters. And mm -hmm. that's something, you know, in a few more weeks, next couple of programs in the, mm -hmm. down the road, Justin, we can start taking a little closer look at the winter season. Sure, you bet. So let's now get into looking out the next two weeks or so in long-term weather forecast. And uh, we, we've talked a lot here about the monsoon weather. We know the Southwest has started to see a lot more moisture than they've seen in probably two years. Uh, the hot dry that's we've seen in the northern tier of the country, getting some relief. And what are you guys seeing for the next 10 to 14 days out from a long-term weather across the nation? Well, we see a, a lot going on. 
we have really, really good news for parts of the central and northern Rockies and even the Pacific Northwest as some of those deeper areas of moisture that have brought just, as you mentioned, some really beneficial rains to Arizona, New Mexico, parts of Colorado and Utah, Nevada, even Southern California has picked up rain here over the recent days. Um, we may actually see some rain in some of the fire areas of Northern California, parts of Oregon, uh, but Idaho, Montana, uh, many portions of Central and Western and Southwestern Wyoming and parts of the Northern Great Basin and, and parts of Colorado will see significant rains over the next week to 10 days as that deeper monsoonal moisture gets pushed in. That is also going to throttle back some really hot temperatures. I don't necessarily see temperatures going crazily cool, but uh, the Western United States in areas that have been missing the monsoon rains are going to finally get some. Now for the central and eastern portions of the U.S., you know, it, it really has not been a hot summer, but some of the heat that's in the West will expand into portions of the central United States this weekend. But as we get into uh, next week, you know, we may have a fairly good trough set up in the Great Lakes and Corn Belt and East that will allow uh, temperatures to be a bit below average. And we still have areas of that Northwest Corn Belt that need more rain. And I think they've got some chances. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, Don, thanks for joining us here for this episode has given us a look at our long-term weather across the country. Thanks for having me. Meteorologist Don Day with a look at our long-term weather. And by the way, if you'd like to find out more, you can go to his website. That is dayweather.com. A thank you to my guest today on our show, Mr. Liam Wall, Association Manager for the Working Ranch Cowboys Association, Mark Upton with Central Life Sciences, and the Captain Tim O'Byrne. A thank you as well to our sponsors for making this happen, the American Simmental Association, the American Gelvin, Association, Performance Beef Cattle Management Software, Beef Master Breeders United, and the Working Ranch Expo to be held December 8th, 9th, and 10th in Las Vegas during the National Finals Rodeo. Join us all from Working Ranch Radio and the Working Ranch Magazine at this first ever event. You can go to workingranchexpo.com for more information. Well, if you'd like to get a hold of me, you have a question, please do. Call me or text the studio at 307-363-COWS or shoot me an email at justin.workingranch at gmail.com. The Working Ranch Radio Show is a production of Working Ranch Magazine. Join us right here every Saturday at 12 noon Eastern on Rural Radio, Channel 147, Sirius XM, or on your podcast provider. Thanks again for joining me. I'm your host, Justin Mills, and until next time, keep your chin down and your mind in the middle. So long. <laughs>